Good morning, Shiloh. Like you, I am excited to be here. Amen. I'm excited to see a friend that I haven't seen for some time, as all of us are, that know her quite well. But I also would like to give praises and thanks to her husband who brought her here this morning. For she didn't come by herself. God bless. And Christiana, her daughter. In other words, it's a family affair. Praise God for the family, church. And I praise God for this family as well. It's a privilege for me to be standing here, and I literally mean that, that the Lord has blessed me this morning to be able to come and to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ at this house of worship. We continue to pray for our pastor and first lady, Minister Bernadine Parrish, as they travel and take a few days to get their rest and recuperate and come back with fire, strength from the Holy Ghost, and a word from on high. But this morning I have the opportunity to break the bread of life for you. And so at this time I'd like for you to join me in a prayer as I go before our Father and ask that the Holy Spirit will come and minister unto us to open our hearts and our minds to the word of God. That when we leave here, we know more than when we came in and have the joy of the Spirit of God, Christ, in us, rejoicing all the way home. Father God, I thank you this morning that you have blessed me, not only with strength in my body, but with the mind of Christ. Stayed on him, Lord. I thank you that you have given me the opportunity once again to come into this house of prayer and to break for not only my friends, but for myself, the word of life. Let the Holy Spirit move and have his way this morning in each of us that when we leave here, we will be going out with joy and singing, oh, thank you, Lord, for you are good and merciful God. Father God, we thank you in Jesus' name I pray, amen. This morning, I would like for you to Prepare to turn to the book of John, chapter 14. The heart of the message will come from there, but it goes throughout the biblical texts in all of some of the scriptures. John, chapter 14, starting with verse 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing through the hearing and the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. This morning I'd like to speak to you for a minute on the topic, heaven. 
heaven. You know, when I had this placed on my heart by the Lord some time ago, I didn't bother to look at the notes or read the scripture text or do any research because I thought I knew what heaven was all about. But the truth of the matter, brothers and sisters, is what I thought heaven was like until I began to let God tell me what his home was like. I began to sit there in amazement. How could I have left so much go by? And so this morning we're talking about heaven. You know, many books have been written, movies have been made, songs have been sung about heaven. Yet today many people are still wondering and asking, is heaven a real place? And if so, what is it like? Several years ago, matter of fact, quite a few years ago, early one morning in 1971, the famed Beatle John Lennon sat down and composed what would become his greatest hit song. It's called Imagine. Many of you may have heard it and some know the name. It's in tribute to a one world utopian idea. John Lennon in his song was asking that we who have some understanding and if you don't have understanding, he was asking us to believe that there is no heaven and that there is no hell. What we have to understand is this. Critics would say, just because the atheist John Lennon doesn't believe in heaven, doesn't mean it's not real. But then all the atheists would say, just because Christians believe in hell, that doesn't mean it's so. And so where do we go to find out the answer whether hell or heaven is a figment of the human imagination. Now we sitting here have said that we trust God and we believe that the Bible is the inspired word, inspired word of God. And so it's there that we will find the answer to the question, is heaven a real place or is it simply a state of mind? Now to whom in the Bible shall we turn and go to to find out if heaven is a real place or not. It seems likely the best place to start is with the only person that has lived in heaven and has come down to tell us what heaven is really about. And brothers and sisters, you ought to know his name. What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus the Christ. So let's turn to chapter 14 is what I had written down here. But we just read that scripture. We know what it says. Now, we have to understand and remember the setting of John chapter 14. It was the Passover season. Jesus was now in the upper room with his disciples. And in a few hours, Jesus would be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so Jesus was preparing his disciples for the reality of his leaving them. Four days had passed when Jesus wound up in the upper room with his disciples for the meal. In the last few hours of his life, Jesus sat down with his disciples. He spoke to them and then he got up and took a pail of water in a basin and he went around and washed their feet. Of course, you know, Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet, Lord. 
And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter said, Lord, wash not only my feet, but my whole body. It was a troubling time. It was a troubling evening. Jesus was troubled because of what lay ahead of him. The betrayal of Judas. The soul-searching prayer that he had in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked his father three times. Father, can this cup pass? But he got no answer. For Jesus already knew why he was here. And the answer was already in his heart and mind. When he asked a question, he didn't get any answer or response from the father. And so he was disturbed, not only from the prayer, but later on he was arrested by the Roman soldiers. He was beaten many times. He was then put on trial before Herod, and then he was sent a little further north to be tried and investigated. And finally, the day came when Jesus was put on the cross and was crucified. The disciples were worried and they were troubled. Will they ever see him again, they began to say. Will the death of Jesus result in our being killed in our death as well? You see, at this time, nothing made sense to the disciples. They were so used to Jesus being there and talking with them and comforting them that they were lost now and did not know what to do. And so Jesus wanted to comfort them in regard to his leaving. And so we've already read the verses of scriptures that I would like for you to pay attention to. This is, first John, this is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 where Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am, there you will be also. I want you to notice three key words here in these texts that will help us understand the question, is heaven a real place? The word place is translated into Hebrew, tapas, tapas. Jesus said, I go to prepare a tapas for you. Jesus said this three times, I go to prepare a place for you. The word, the word tapas is the root word for our word topography. That is the actual dealing of the physical features on the land of maps where we can go and find out what's there and where it's located. When Jesus said heaven is a place, he was saying heaven is an exact geographical location. Secondly, a key word that he used was called dwelling place or habitat. In the Hebrew, that word is called monet. It means a having a habit place, a dwelling place, a domicile for a person. So when he said, I go to prepare a place for you, he was saying, I'm going to prepare a house for you, a place for you to reside. And the third significant word was prepare. I go to prepare a place for you. Brothers and sisters, 
you don't have to prepare a place for a state where things are a state of mind. There is no such thing as preparing a place for a state of mind. Your mind is your mind and mine is mine. Whatever you think is what you think, but it's not what I'm thinking. I know what God has prepared for us because I believe God's word. And so when we talk about a state of mind, we have to understand that's someone else's language, not mine. And I pray it is not yours. Remember, after Jesus had been crucified, on the third day he arose from the dead. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, you find these words written. Jesus spent 40 days on the earth in his new resurrected body. At that time, he had made promises to ascend back to his father in heaven. When he, Jesus, has spoken all these things, and what things did he speak was this. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and outer Samaria, and to all the parts of the earth. What Jesus was doing was empowering them for the task that lay before them. They were going to become witnesses for Christ like you and I are today. When Jesus said these words to his disciples, they were sitting around listening intently. When Jesus finished speaking, there was a cloud that came on high, it says. And while he was speaking, the cloud received him up out of their sight. And while they looked on steadfast up into the heavens, wondering where he was going and what had happened, two men stood by them in white apparel and said to the disciples, ye men, standing and gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall in like manner come again down from heaven. Just as Jesus was physically and literally brought to the earth from heaven, one day Jesus is physically and literally going to be brought back to earth from heaven. He is and heaven is a physical geographical location and Jesus is a real person. So then the question becomes, where is heaven really located? I'm standing up here telling you a lot, but I haven't told you where heaven is. That was my dilemma when I started reading these things. So then, where is this place called heaven? The Bible tells us that heaven is up. Most of us believe that heaven is up. How do we know that? Because the Bible told you? Not so much because the Bible says that, but we have to look at the one who said it. Satan told us that heaven is up. Now, we know Satan's a liar, but even a clock that is broken tells the truth at least twice a day. And so we have to understand that just because we don't want to believe Satan when he said that heaven is up, we have to understand that that's what the scripture says. We look at this text and we have to remember that when Satan decided 
in his heart that he was going to mount a rebellion against God. Satan in his heart said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And then he left off speaking for a moment. But later on, the question becomes, well, if heaven is up, where is up at? And then Satan tells us this. He says, I will sit in the sides of the north, Isaiah 14, 13. And he said that I will sit there and I will rule from there. We have to understand that this is Satan talking. Foolish things comes out of people's minds who have no spiritual understanding. Satan was lost and he was trying to mount a rebellion against God. But if we go to the book of Job, chapter 37, 22, it says, out of the north comes golden splendor. Around God is an awesome majesty. But that still doesn't tell us where heaven is. And it doesn't answer the question, is heaven a real place? Does heaven exist in another dimension or what? To answer the question, we have to understand there's a difference between the present heaven and the future heaven. What do you mean by present and future heavens? This helps us to understand the Bible and what awaits us as Christians and our loved ones if they are Christians as well. There is a difference between the present heaven and the future heaven. Let's talk about the present heaven for a moment. The first heaven is the earth's atmosphere where we breathe and where the birds fly and where jet planes fly. Most people, when you ask them, where do you live, in contrast to the rest of the plants, they say, we live in the earth. Brothers and sisters, we don't live in the earth, we live on the earth. We live on the earth. We're held on the earth by gravitational processes. We're on the earth and gravity keeps us here. From the ground all the way up to a certain height is what we call oxygen. That's our air. That's where birds fly. And then it gets so high that we can't go up there without some help. So then we enter into what is called the second heaven, or what is called outer space, where the stars and planets and galaxies exist. That is the second heaven. And then we have what is called the third heaven. Now we're talking about the present heaven, where we are talking about right now that exists. The third heaven is the abode of God. It's where God exists right now. It's where his habitation is right now. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 tells us about Apostle Paul, who said he was caught up to the third heaven because he had a thorn in his side. And he was looking to God for some help. And God told him, my grace is sufficient. Uh, by the way, although heaven is a place we and I will go when we die, because it says in the Bible, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is the place we will go when we die, right now. That is into the third heaven, into the presence of God. But as Christians, we go to be with God when we die, right now. But that's not our permanent, eternal dwelling place or home. Heaven for us is our final residence. 
It's not up there, but it's going to be right down here on the earth, brothers and sisters. We're talking about the future heaven. The future heaven is a heaven that Jesus is constructing right now. Remember, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and that where I am, you may be also. Right now, Jesus is constructing a city for us. It's called the New Jerusalem. Chapter 21 of the book of Revelation says this. And John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea or oceans. What is being said here, brothers and sisters, is that everything that was familiar is now gone. We have to remember in John, in Revelation chapter 20, what happens before the recreation of the new heaven and the new earth is a destruction of all that has been created. The world and all the stars and planets are decaying. Everything is decaying. Your body and mind is starting to decay. The older you get, the worse you feel. <laughs> Come on now, let's be honest. We're breaking down, brothers and sisters. We keep saying, Lord, help us. He said, I'm helping you. I'm helping you to get home <laughs> to your real house because where we are right now is not our home. And so what we see is this. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it says that John said, I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, whose face the earth and heavens fled away. In other words, everything that was is no longer there. The only thing there is God's son, Jesus, sitting on the great white throne, and he's judging all non-believers. And those whose names were not found in the Lamb's books of life, one book was for your works, and one book was for your sin remission, you have to pay the price. And so when God canceled out your debt by saying it's paid in full, it means that you owe something. And so therefore, you, like the Satan, were thrown into the lake of fire. Heaven fled away. And why did that happen, brothers and sisters? It happened because of sin. Sin permeated everything. If you go to the book of Romans, you'll find this. And even the earth groans for what? Restoration. Even the earth itself is groaning, pregnant, wanting to come back to life. And John said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. Let me tell you some characteristics about heaven. You can see any movie you want to see. You can look at any feature or read any book you want to read. You can't possibly imagine what God has in store for us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, unless you read it for yourself, in detail, I don't mean scan it, I mean literally read it for yourself. You'll be amazed at what heaven is not. Heaven is not a place where once we get there, we're going to walk around and sit on a cloud and sing all day. That's not what we're going to do. We're not even going to be sitting around. When we get there, we have a job to do. The first thing that's going to happen is that we understand that the new Jerusalem is not like the present Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem 
as far as how big it is, it's going to be 1,500 miles cubed. That's because there is no oceans. The oceans took up 71% of the Earth land mass. When there is no ocean, that's going to be all ground. Heaven's going to extend from the city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, will extend from the east coast clean to the west coast, and it's going to be a cube. It's going to have three stories to it. And that three stories is going to have 12 gates. The 12 gates on the east side is the 12 gates for the children of Israel. Then there's going to be 12 gates on the west side, and those 12 gates are going to be for the disciples of Christ. And it says that there was one gate, and all the gates basically covered one door. And each gate went the height of the three floors, and each gate was made out of one pearl. Now, I've never seen a pearl that big, but that's what the world says. And what the word says is what I believe. God is capable. God is able. He can create whatever he so desires. And then it says, not only that, it says that on the streets will be pure gold, radiating. And beside that, brothers and sisters, you think you got on good shoes now? Wait till you get the shoes God's going to give you. They're going to be made out of gold. And I'm trying to say, how can you put on a pair of gold slippers if don't, gold don't bend? But God is able. God is able, brothers and sisters. And then it says, there will be no oceans, but there will be water. Because in the Bible, remember when Jesus went into the land of Samaria? The woman met him at the well. And she asked, what do you want? And he said, I want a drink of water. She said, I have nothing to draw the water with. And he said, if you were to ask me for some water, I would give you the water of life. And he spoke to her, and then she ran and witnessed to their brothers in the city of Samaria. This water that Jesus offered her, that we will get when we get to the new heaven, is the water of life. There will not be any oceans or big seas, but there will be a constant stream of water coming out from the throne of God. It's going to be pure, and it's going to be coming right down the middle of the street. That's whoever will can drink from the water of life. And on both sides of the street, there will be two trees. It is the tree of life on the right and tree of life on the left. And each tree will hold the 12 manners of fruit. And those 12 manners of fruit are there to bear the restoration of your body. And then at the end, there are leaves on the trees. And the leaves are used for the healing of the nation. Now, what that means, healing of the nations, I don't know. God didn't put it in the word. So I'm going to have to wait till I see him to get the answer to that one. But the point is, brothers and sisters, we have yet to understand what God has for us. I've just given you a sample of what the real heaven is going to be like. Each one of us will have our own place to dwell. It will be designed around your tasks, your opportunities to serve, and the gifts that God has given you. Each of those houses, those places to dwell, will be 45 to 75 acres of land that is yours to keep. That's yours. That's what God is giving you. That's your dwelling place. Don't mean you're going to stay there all day. It just means that's where you can reside when you want. We have to understand God is like, like everybody else. I don't care what kind of home you imagine building, what kind of home you have right now, is nothing compared to the home that God is going to give us when the new Jerusalem and the new world come. The world that I'm talking about is the new world. 
it's not the world that comes in the movie back in the day when we talked about, uh, you know, these fantasy movies and uh, this movie and that movie. This is real life. God is a real God. And the city of Jerusalem that I'm looking to go to is not up there, but down here. If you go to Romans, Revelation chapter 5, you read this. And God made us to be, no, Jesus made us to be kings and priests unto our God. And we shall dwell with him on the earth, brothers and sisters. Not the present earth, not the present heaven, but the new earth and the new heaven. For each of us has a job to do, and God is waiting to give us our assignments. Brothers and sisters, when I began to read this, I stopped, closed my Bible, and I sat down, and I just had prayer. I spent all day yesterday sitting, and by the time my wife came home and she asked me, what am I going to eat? I said, I've been fed already on the word of God. I was excited by what I read because I had not involved myself in the literature that God had placed before me before. But now that I know, I don't mind leaving. Sometimes you can ask a person, are you ready to go home to be with the Lord? And they say, I don't know. I got, I got a house here. I got some things I got to get done. Brothers and sisters, when God calls, you ain't got nothing to do but go. That's all. All you got to do is just go. Because what he has in store for us as believers is better than what you are talking about. I got things to do. What you have to do is nothing compared to what God is going to give you to do. A new name in a white stone. And nobody will know that name but you and God himself, Jesus Christ. And you will have a white garment on. A garment that is considered your garment of what? Righteousness. That's what you're going to have. And you're going to have your golden shoes. And some of us will have crowns on our head with many stones. Some of us will have one crown. But we will all be in heaven where we can serve the Lord with gladness because we will take those crowns off and throw them at the feet of God. And we will fall prostrate before him. And along with the angels we sing, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, which is and is to come. Brothers and sisters, we're talking about heaven. It's a real place. It's a location. It's not here yet, but be assured it's coming. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for you and me to go to heaven. The Bible says that in the fullness of time, he was born under the law to redeem those under the law. His father sent him to heaven, from heaven to earth, in physical flesh so that he can have the opportunity to pay our sin debt. So Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. He shed his blood so that our sins could be washed away. And as far as from God as the east is from the west, God said, I will not remember your sins anymore. We have to understand that Jesus came to redeem and to seek and to save the lost. He gave to give us hope that there is a future for us. It's called the New Jerusalem. It's called heaven. And what we have to understand, brothers and sisters, we need to get ready. Don't worry about your funds. Don't worry about your bank accounts. Don't worry about none of that because ain't nothing going with you. Nothing's going with you. You, when God calls you, first is going to be his son who will rapture the church. We will have our wedding supper with the lamb. 
And after seven years, we will come back with him to undo all that Satan has been doing during that seven years, which is called the seven years of tribulation. But the last half, Satan just goes crazy trying to kill everybody. And had not we, Christ, come back, everything would be lost. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Brothers and sisters, we're talking about a real place called heaven, the new Jerusalem. It's not on a map yet, but it's there. We can't see it, but trust that God is there. How many of you have seen God for yourself? Literally seen God, but you believe in him, right? Amen. Amen. Because his works is manifested every day. When you wake up in the morning, it's because God woke you up. Amen? Amen. The new heaven is not up there, it's down here. Don't let anyone fool you talking about I'm going to heaven, pointing up there, telling you you're wrong way. Heaven is going to be right here. Amen? Amen. Amen. The new heaven, the new Jerusalem. I'm excited for us, brothers and sisters, literally, because the Bible said there'll be no tears. There'll be no pain, no more suffering. You won't be hungry anymore. You won't have to wonder what you're going to do. God's already laid out your plan. Where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, and what you're going to do. There will be no sin. Thank God there's no sin. No sin. We're going to be as righteous as Christ. Matter of fact, we're going to emulate him because God has wanted to have more children just like his son, you and me. One day, we'll see our father for ourselves. Please stand to your feet. We're talking about heaven. If anybody asks you, say, where is heaven? Say, the real heaven isn't here yet, but it's coming. It's called the New Jerusalem. And you ought to pray that when the heaven comes, that you come with it. But right now, brothers and sisters, we have to ask the question. There may be someone here who doesn't know about what I'm talking about. You don't know about Jesus Christ. You don't know about God the Father. But if there's one here who has not yet given their life to Christ, we ask that you come on up. You don't have to come if you don't want to. The Bible didn't say you had to come down the aisle and witness to the people. The Bible said all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died for your sins, you shall be saved. Is there one? And if you haven't made up your mind yet, don't worry. Just make sure before you walk out these doors that you get an answer to your question. Am I saved, Lord? Because you could walk out that door and be hit by a car and you're going straight to hell. You don't want that to happen. If you are Christ, then you have it made. You will see him on the other side. Is there one? Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated.